Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, queen of burnout, throwing in a little sass there, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. I got to practice what I preach. I'm a recovering workaholic and rest is my detox. <laughs> so my team is pushing me to try to do more rest. I have really been invigorated since I got my new office and my podcasting equipment set up back full time. It's been so fun to be podcasting again and doing live episodes. But they're reminding me too that I'm overworking. So we are problem solving this. And in order to do that, we are doing a reboot showcase. All my work that I've done in the past, I might as well reuse it, right? Recycle, reduce, reuse. And so what we're going to do in this reboot showcase is take old podcast episodes that I've actually been on for other people and play them here on Dr. Me First. It makes me smile a little bit as I go back and listen to years ago when I was doing some of these podcasts. And I'm like, wow, I was really smart. I knew a whole lot of things. But I also see how I've changed and how things are different. <laughs> In the world of Aaron Wiseman, we call it, is it long-haired Aaron or short-haired Aaron? Because <laughs> you can definitely see a big change when the hair got lopped off during the pandemic. So listen to the episodes and then see if you can tell when I did that episode on the timeline of everything Aaron Wiseman. Long-haired Aaron, short-haired Aaron. Give me an email. I'd love to hear about it. I'm going to take my own medicine. I'm going to rest a little bit, and I'm still going to pop up episodes for you to listen to. So enjoy this reboot today. And as always, friend, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse absolutely matters. And the badass in me honors the freaking badass in you. Enjoy! You're listening to the Woman of Value podcast. You are about to hear the story of a woman who is following her dreams and passions and creating positive change in the world. As I was walking to my car, getting ready to drive home, I thought, screw that. I can do so much more. There is so much more within me than, than the definition that this job has put on me. And so I think that was like kind of the crack that started to kind of open up and reveal like like what I talked about, that like inherent pricelessness that was deep inside my core. And for years through training, through education, through the grind of medicine had really had layers covering it, covering it, covering it. Dr. Erin Wiseman speaks openly about the professional burnout she experienced early in her family medicine career. And she does it so that no woman will feel alone and to prove that you can have a joy-filled and sustainable career. She lives and practices life coaching and medicine in the middle of nowhere, as she says, in rural southwestern Indiana. And she loves her many roles. She's a farmer's wife, an athlete, mother of three. And besides being sassy, she says she enjoys getting mud on her shoes and teaching her kids to put, to catch tadpoles and reading a great fantasy novel. I love it. It's just like a dating profile. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. So let's start with the question I ask everyone. What does woman of value mean to you? Oh, it was such a good question. I was so glad that you prepped me ahead of time for it. <laughs> but a woman of value to me knows her worth and not her assessed worth on external factors and what we are pigeonholed into, but her inherent pricelessness. Her inherent pricelessness. And I love that you brought up the external factors because, man, are we totally sucked into that external thing when we need to get all of that approval from the outside. And uh, that's not where our value comes from. And I, I just... Yeah, I do a lot of gremlin and saboteur work in my coaching practice. I'm sure you do too. And we get so caught up in our body, you know, the the shape that we're in, uh, the degrees that we have and how it defines us. And, and people who change careers also, who go from corporate to starting their own business. And I'm sure you coach people like that too. And it's, it's like, oh, well, I was that. And who am I now? Or yeah, that we could talk about that for an hour. But um, I, I would love for you to share your woman of value moment, that moment that you discovered the value that you have. The big pivotal, what I call my two by four moment, because it's either you listen to like the tickle in your heart or you get the two by four upside your head, <laughs> was when I was sitting across from my CMO, chief medical officer, um, trying to explain about how I was feeling as a new attending and like something was not working and him telling me, well, no matter what you figure out, Dr. Wiseman, um, we look forward to having you for the long extent of your 30 plus year career. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks because I thought this is all I'm ever going to be. This is all that I'm ever going to be measured on is what I'm doing right now inside of the four walls of my practice, I am made for so much more. I remember walking, you know, after I got the pat on the head and like told, you know, okay, go back, do what you're supposed to be doing. As I was walking to my car, getting ready to drive home, I thought, screw that. I can do so much more. There is so much more within me than, than the definition that this job has put on me. And so I think that was like kind of the crack that started to kind of open up and reveal like like what I talked about, that like inherent pricelessness that was deep inside my core. And for years through training, through education, through the grind of medicine had really had layers covering it, covering it, covering it. And I really think that was like the pivotal point, the eureka moment that was like, or maybe not. Or actually, actually, the, the plan I just put in front of you about working part-time and coaching my peers, actually, actually, I can do that. So was it that you didn't want to be put in a box or feel limited? Is that what really was like? Whew. I think it was, I think it was not put in the box, but also realizing I didn't have to follow those rules if I didn't want to anymore. I'm a very type A, straight lace, take notes, do all my homework, do all the right things, check all the boxes kind of person. 
And so when I got off what I call the railroad tracks of professional development, which is like, you do these steps and at the end, you will be a successful doctor or you will be a successful lawyer or academic or CPA. You know, you could you could insert any word into that. But if you stay on the railroad tracks and you stay within the lines, you will be rewarded. And when I got to the end of that and I was like, this is my effing reward? This is it? <laughs> then I was like, Maybe this isn't for me. And I went through a whole identity crisis of like, if I'm not the white coat, then who am I? If I don't have the DR in front of my name and people use it, then who am I? Because I had made that position and really enveloped it so much into me that it was a really sticky process to go through and dissect that out. Like you said, the the work that um, so much of us need to do. But when I finally figured it out and when I did that deep dive inward, then I was able to express it externally. And And yeah, part of it is like not staying in the box and realizing like, Maybe I'm a round peg and I don't fit in a square hole, but that doesn't mean I'm broken and it doesn't mean I'm wrong. I'm just a round peg. And so I need to do my work and go find my fit. So right now, people who are not watching the video can't see that you're wearing a white coat, but it has orange flowers and red flowers and black leaves on it. That kind of reminds me of where you went with, with the white coat and adding all the colors of you. So tell us what happened next, because, you know, you had this pivotal aha moment. What'd you do? So I had already had so many conversations with my husband um, going into this meeting. Like, it wasn't just a spur of the moment. This was so I started practice within a few weeks. I was like, oh, my God, this is not it. Like, because I was all about delayed satisfaction, like when I get out, out of intern year, when I graduate residency, when I get the big girl contract, when I get my practice started, when we buy a house, you know, I was always pushing it, pushing it. And I remember coming home one night and just telling him while sitting at the kitchen bar with my head on my hands and being like, I can't do this. He said, Aaron, give it six months. We're going to be okay. Let's get stabilized. Give it six months. Because he knows me. I'm a quick start. I would have quit yesterday if I could have. <laughs> and so I said, okay. And that was the result of this meeting. I started having and talking about it to as many people as I could who I thought could help me. I was talking to my med school best friends, my other professional friends. Like I said, I got in my boss's office even. And through those conversations, I just realized no one has my answers. Like nothing, nothing about this. I was doing what I told my patients not to do. And I was Googling, like, how do I turn my CV into a resume? I was looking on LinkedIn. Hell, I was ready to go to the local farm store and sell chicks if that was what I needed to do to provide for our family. And lo and behold, I found thousands of other specifically physicians online who felt like I did. And I didn't want to go into pharmaceuticals. There's not that really available where I'm at. I didn't want to travel, you know, cross states to go practice because I didn't really even want to practice anymore. But I found a coach online and I thought, you know what? Hashtag take my money. If this is going to help, I'm going to talk to her. And so I got on what I know now as a discovery call and I felt heard and seen and understood. And she started asking me these questions that I was like, I, I, I can't even give you an answer. And, you know, that's my job. I give answers. And so I knew that was a fundamental change in me. And the more we started coaching and the more homework she was giving me and the more like digging I was doing and really getting in, I was like, oh, 
this is what I want to do. This is why I went into family medicine. I want to help people make real change. I want to help them not by just throwing prescriptions at them or telling them to lose weight, but to help make that transformational change inside of them. And so I looked around and I was like, hmm, where's all like the young mom coaches at? Because we needed this shit years ago and went and got certified. And that's where I started coaching. Amazingly, whenever I started doing the work, I realized, oh, it's not all the job. Because even if I quit this job, I'm still taking myself with me. So how can I love this through it? I need some means as I am growing and developing and changing things and really taking charge and realizing that I really did have choice in my work environment. And that even though I had let boundaries slide, I could start establishing boundaries and setting them and living within them and training the other people that I worked around to say like, no, this is healthy. That we, not every patient gets my cell phone number and that, you know, I'm not on call all the time. And oh yeah, I only work Monday, Wednesday, Fridays now. And that's okay. Because if you have a true emergency, it's not my family medicine office that you really need to be in anyway. And so by doing that work and, and seeing that transformation going, it was just amazing as I started telling my story then. Because at first, like you said about the gremlin and the imposter, it's like, well, who am I? Who am I to talk about burnout? Like, I'm still in the shitstorm right now. Like, who am I to try to help other people? But I noticed as I was taking forwards in my own journey, it was almost like a boat creating a wake. And people then were starting to come behind me. And, and I was able to help them and coach them and um, give encouragement and inspiration to people who were in a very dark and very lonely space. And so now, six years in the future, it's so exciting to say, yeah, if I can do it, you can do it. If if I can love my career, if I can have more fun and make more money, I know you can do it. And so it's not been easy, but guess what? Like, I don't want easy. But what I do want is fulfillment and joy. And that's exactly what I work to to put into this world. What a great story. And I can so relate because I've pivoted careers so many times. And it's it's a process. It's like that digging, okay, I'm good at this, but I'm not so fulfilled. And in my life, it was I was great at art. That was the thing I was known for. And how do you make a living? Like even in college, nobody taught me how do I actually create a business around art and make money? Is that a sellout? Like you know, and and I did make money, but I didn't want to just support myself in this field. And while I was married, I was I supported my husband as a writer. He was a co- he's a comedian, and so I wrote comedy. I did like fifty thousand things, and through that process, I think I also found my bliss, which was I'm good at writing. I didn't know that before. I'm good at the big picture. I didn't know that before. So there were little breadcrumbs. And I think we don't always follow them. We think, oh my God, I'm like total ADD career-wise. And I've done so many different things. But I think just to have permission to go from art to comedy to you know directing to editing film to getting a coaching certification. And what motivated me, and I know this is about you, but I just you're you're just bringing up because I remember the process of I wanted to feel 
well used. And I wanted to feel that the time I spent was also valued monetarily. Those things were important to me and creativity. And coaching met all of those needs for me. I I felt like, you know, art was like mostly one-offs where people could never pay me enough for the amount of work and heart that I put into it. Coaching is the gift that keeps on giving. It's that amazing feeling you have when you can make a difference in somebody's life and really help them expand into their fullest version of who they are. And so your story is just inspiring my story. And, and that's why it's important to share stories. Absolutely. Because, you know, just as you're talking and I was talking, like we see ourselves in others. And, and it's so validating to be like, oh, I'm not some Fruit Loop who like went off the path and is like now the black sheep of the family. <laughs> and you're right. Like when you get to your end of your life, what do you really want to feel? Um, there's a great research paper that a hospice nurse did when she asked um, dying patients of hers, like, what was your greatest regret at life? And the one that always sticks out to me is that um, that they stayed at the job that they hated for so long. And and so my words to myself and what I hope that my children either put on my tombstone or or say when they dash my asses into the ocean is like, damn, she really lived. That's how I want to go out. So I'd encourage Love our it. listeners too, like, <laughs> what is it? What is it at the end that that you want to epitomize and then start living it today? Don't wait. Yeah. Yeah. And we're taping this during the pandemic, which was a big wake up call for a lot of people. You know, we were restricted in certain ways, but it really had us think to ourselves, what is important? What does it all come down to? And, you know, connections, um, who are we? Are we staying in horrible jobs, horrible relationships? And is it time to move on and, and live our life? Whose life are you living? I mean, really, that was a question I had to ask myself. And so, yeah, I think know that you, you're, you're living full out and I, I love it. So tell us, you know, I love that you, you decided you can do the work in medicine with boundaries and boundaries, man, that's, that's my jam. Uh, <laughs> I love boundaries. I teach a course on boundaries. We're creating boundary university with like mini courses and boundaries. So, um, so, so, Describe like, what does it look like today? How does, what does your life look like? When I started working with my coach, um, one of the questions she asked me is, how do you want to feel like when you get up in the morning? And I gave her these requirements. I want to get up with an, without an alarm clock because I had been doing hospital call for years. I had been doing nursing home rounds. My kids were always the first ones dropped off in the morning, like as soon as they unlocked the door at daycare, and they were the last ones to be picked up, and they were locking the door behind us. And so my mine was, I want to wake up without an alarm clock. And at night, when my head hits the pillow, I want to say, well done today. And And those have been the feeling states that I have like really preference and built my life on. And so life, it does feel like that. Most days, I don't have an alarm clock to get up with because I have structured my life in such a way that it accommodates. And also I've noticed since I have recovered through my burnout and I'm well and my circadian rhythms are normal again, <laughs> I actually don't need a clock to get up in the morning. Like 
I get up naturally between 6 and 6.20. It's amazing how your body just kind of gets you up and gets you going like that. And so life feels like that. Now, not every single moment. I mean, we got our hashtag life struggles here with Team Wiseman. That is 100% for sure. But what the, the major difference is, is giving myself the space to say instead of, oh, I got to keep pushing. I got to keep working. Like, I just got to get my head down and get through this day or this week or this month or this rotation or whatever. Now I give myself the space to say, like, well, is this working? Is this okay? And at any point, I, I have the, like, pull down lever where I can, like, stop it if I want to. And purposely deciding every single day, like, no, I'm in this. This is what this is what I want to do. Because there was a point that the burnout coach was starting to burn out again in her own business. I have a propensity for it. Like it is just something of who I am. I'm a pusher and I will always be a pusher. But that's also my superpower as it comes to a coach as well. And so it's just putting knowing myself more and more putting in what I call the um, guardrails. Like if you can imagine yourself driving a sports car along like a very steep mountainous road, you want the guardrails there, especially if you're going fast. And so having those guardrails for me is having those things that take care of myself, the accountability to check in and like, mm, you're kind of grinding again, Aaron, you're getting a little crispy around the edges. And then also, like you mentioned, the practice of self-compassion and giving myself the permission at any point I can pull the lever and everything stops. Good question to ask yourself. Is this working? Most people don't pause. They just keep going and then they burn out. I'm reading uh, burnout. I forgot who it's by. It's a new book um, that Brene Brown was talking about on her podcast. I don't, I don't really have a burnout problem. Um, but I know many people who do. I'm, I'm good at like, okay, time to chill, but I can push. I can definitely push. I, I just, I do know my guardrails, but I think for a lot of people, like, I mean, how did you get to be a doctor? You have to push, you have to be driven to get through all of that work and it's not easy. So, you know, and, and I think many, many people in the giving professions and the healing professions, heart-centered we tend to not have boundaries. We tend to not take care of ourselves. We take care of everybody else. And so learning to prioritize, what do I need? Is this working? Really, really important. So you're balancing medicine and coaching. Is that how your life looks? You said yeah. certain days you're coaching, certain days you're doing medicine. I am. And, you know, and I think that's a really important point to, to give to anybody out there. It's not all or nothing. You don't just have to quit your job and like do this whole new scary entrepreneur thing. Like I, I tell people I'm a hybrid physician and I get to figure out what that flow looks like. Now, it wasn't something that just fell in my lap. There was definitely some skills. And, and that's what I love to teach my clients is like these are the things that they should have taught us as well, in addition to, you know, cardiovascular system and statin drugs and all these other things, like they needed to teach us that like, if it's not working, here's how you go after what you want. Of course, first you need to identify what you need, 
what you want, and then how to get them. And so putting those skills in place for my life, it's been really fun. So I eventually did leave that family medicine office. I had a pretty nasty non-compete that I had to wait out and I couldn't do family medicine in my area. And as you mentioned, my husband's a farmer, so we weren't going to pick up and move farm ground. Like it just stays in Southern Indiana come rain or shine. And so I started to get creative and, and network the power of networking and who you know, and not in a skeezy, like, give me a job way, but in a very heart-centered connection way of like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm interested in. What are your thoughts about this? Who do you know who might be able to help me? And through that process, I actually came in contact with one of my old colleagues and he said, hey, I'm not doing family medicine anymore either. I'm doing emergency medicine at this little small rural ER. Maybe you should come give it a shot. And I thought, well, as a resident physician, I moonlighted, which means I worked extra in an emergency room, uh, making some extra money. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. And went and became an emergency physician for about 15 months and waited out that non-compete in so much fun and so much more ease rather than like sitting around and being angry. I just leaned in creativity and I leaned into my connections. And like the patron saint Brene Brown says, you know, like being vulnerable and saying like, hey, I'm going through a transition right now and I don't have any idea what exactly what it looks like, but this is what I'm thinking. Who do you know? How can you help? And it was through that then that I kind of knew that that was my bridge job, that that was what was going to get me through the gap until I got on the other side to see it. When I got there, I jumped into coaching full time and I thought, this is it. But what I realized, there was still a little doctor size hole in my heart that I still wanted to keep doing it. And so since then, I've had several super fulfilling jobs of where I get to marry my doctoring skills and how I can show up best in the workplace. And that doesn't look like five days a week. Maybe that looks like one day a week or two half days a week or once a month as a director. And so, yeah, I'm still practicing medicine and and I'm doing it the way that I want to do it and really stripping off of like, well, this is how it has to be. Because that's one thing with my family. I loved in the death, but they were like, you don't go to an office? And I'm like, no, it's amazing. I get to log onto my computer and see patients virtually because I've been doing telemedicine since 2017. And and now with the pandemic and people are like, oh, we can see our physician through the computer because you know what? So much of doctoring is really coming down to communication and connection. It's not the stethoscope. It's not the otoscope in your ear looking down your throat. It's really about how we connect and how we can talk to each other. Because just as one of my best attendings told me, he said, if you talk to somebody long enough, they will tell you the diagnosis. And I think it's very true. And so, yeah, practicing is still a part of my life. I don't know exactly how it's going to look as my children get older. I still have one who is preschool age. Um, I don't even know what we're going to do healthcare wise. I mean, it's so innovative and creative right now. But what I'm doing is just staying open and, and honoring that little place in my heart that says, yeah, I still want to keep a toe in the water. You know what? I just keep getting the sense of the self-compassion, the openness. So many people have this idea of how something has to look and it's so rigid and I see it both as a dating coach and as a woman's empowerment coach. In dating, so much of the reason that people stay single is because they 
picture this person who doesn't exist. And if they meet somebody who's actually better for them, they don't even recognize it because they have this rigid idea. And so what you're describing is this, go with it, go with and and be open. And you actually enjoy the journey because you're not thinking, well, if it's not that, then it's nothing, you know? So it's, it's just, there's so much flow. And that's the word that just keeps coming to mind. And, and you also are really connected to your values. I get that sense too. Um, bringing medicine back in, but doing it in a way that works and not sitting at home feeling like a victim because you had, you know, the, the issue with your last practice, but figuring out a new way to plug in. Yeah. And I don't want to gloss over. There was doubt and there was tears and there was the like, oh shit moments. Like, what are we going to do type of things? I don't want to leave that out. But what, what I want to convey to the audience is up until this point, you have figured it out and you will figure it out time and time again. And so something we don't always talk a lot about, we talk about self-compassion and self-love, um, self-trust in the process. And and like you said, taking the blinders off and just saying open and, and saying, I trust myself. I trust that the desires that I have placed in me are not an oops, are not a mistake, are not a flaw. But in fact, something that I am specially attuned to and staying open to whatever's coming. But that self-trust piece, whoo, that's a hard one to learn because we want it like in writing, coming through certified mail, done, signed, sealed, delivered, boom, all together. <laughs> right. That's just and, not how it And works. you want somebody to give it to you, right? It's like, just tell me what to do. I, I yes. don't know. Tell me what to do. And what you keep saying, and I agree, is like, you do know. You have the answers. I, I I gave a Toastmasters contest speech a number of years ago about having the answer. Uh, it was a very difficult decision. It was a medical decision I had to make. And all these doctors were telling me to do something that my gut said no. And I followed my gut and it was the right decision. And I've done that over and over again. And I think the more you do it, the more you can see that was the right answer. But if you keep relying on everybody else to make the choices for you, you're not living your life. You're living somebody else's idea of your life. And that doesn't work. Absolutely. I think that's so important to have the mentality of just try. Just try. Because that's the one thing that entrepreneurship has really told me. It's not failure. It's all feedback. And if you look at it from that lens, that like, what am I learning from this experience? Or what did I learn from this mistake? You know, instead, you can be like, well, next time, and using it as feedback, because when we beat ourselves upside the head with our perceived failures and mistakes, we don't let ourselves grow through that. And, and then we also hang emotional attachments and triggers onto it. And that's when our limbic brain starts to get all crazy and lizard-like, and we start screaming and getting into uh, fight or flight, just survival mode. Like, oh, don't do that. That fire is hot. When in fact, the fire can actually help do a lot of things for us. And so, yeah, I think it's just looking at it and be like, yeah, yeah, next time I won't do it that way. But sometimes you've got to go through it. So that then you can learn. You got to teach the class to be like, yeah, that was actually really fun. You got to take the job and be like, yeah, okay, I, I learned some things about myself. And sometimes the most important message is what do you not want to do? 
in the future? We definitely learn a lot from what we don't want. And the saboteur wants to keep us very safe and small and not not fail ever. And so I love that you brought this up because failure is it's a mindset. It's not it's not actual something terrible that you should never try again. It's like, what am I learning? How am I growing? And my boundaries co-leader calls mistakes missed takes. She said, like when you're filming and you have takes that you have to take out, they're missed takes. So we take it again. We try again. We get it right the next time because we've learned from all the takes that didn't work. We're pointing ourselves in the right direction. So Yeah, there's lots of ways to reframe what we consider failure that stops us from moving forward. I mean, it was huge for me coming out of a medical career because, you know, I can make decisions that really harm and hurt people. And so coming from healthcare, there's there's not that flexibility that needs to be. We have M&M meetings, which is mortality and mortality, where you have to go sit and pretty much rehash through the entire case on everything that was documented and done. Um, it, it's as provoking as sitting in a law, <laughs> in a courtroom with the law. Um, but what we're really trying to change with the medical education system is just that. Like, okay, we can learn from this. And and not jumping down people's throat because... Um, yeah, there there are some like givens that must be done, but putting safeguards around those, having protocols, having multiple checkovers and looks um, is one way that we have, have changed the system. But I really think it's really pushing that mindset to we are human. Things are going to happen. Patients do not read the textbooks and do not follow the multiple choice answers that we were all taught in med school and having grace with that. Um I could go in long and talking about uh, legal infiltration and into physician world and, and how that screws with our mindset about always being fearful of litigation and, and um, practicing defensively instead of practicing empathetically. But I, I do. And I think that translates probably to almost everybody is, is really looking at it and be like, was anybody killed by this? Was anybody seriously harmed? Did we lose a lot of money? And if it didn't hit those three things, you can instantly forgive yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's talk about the future. What, okay. what is in the plans for you? More of the same. I, I am in a good wavelength. I'm going to ride this baby out as long as I can. Um, being a multi-business entrepreneur, it just lights my world up, to be perfectly honest. And so the dream for me and for others is is that, to really find and embrace and step into the career that lights us up and invite fun and play back into our lives because I know that's what led to my burnout. I forgot how to have fun. And when I forgot how to have fun, I forgot who I really was internally. And it's amazing. When you start living a life that is joy-filled and fulfilled, you make more money. It just, it's like the universe opens up and just dumps buckets on you. And so I, I tell people when I, they say that, like, no, I can help you make more money. And they're like, no, but, but you're a life coach for burnout. And I'm like, oh, let me show you. 
And it's it's all about that shift. And so I really just want to call BS on burnout and hustle culture and and just really blatantly show my story because I probably, if there was a picture in the def, in the dictionary next to burnout, it would have been my picture because, I mean, hardcore, I was in it. And so, I, again, I feel like if I can do it, if I can have a shift and a pivot and a change, anyone can have it. And fear is going to come along with us. Scarcity is going to come along with us. Dread is going to come along with us. But when you start really leaning into this, then you get to have the full expression of life because you're no longer numbing. Passion gets to be so much bigger. Joy gets to be so much brighter. Fulfillment, ugh, you can feel it tingle all the way down to your toes. And so I, that is really what drives me for the, the, the future is to really empower every woman out there that, no, you can have it and so much more. Yeah, this this is really, it's such an important conversation about authenticity. And people don't really understand authenticity. You know, it's like, oh, just be you, just be more you, you know? And it's like, what is that? But what it is to me and what you're expressing is, is that full expression of who you are. It's like, don't hold back on who you really are and what you really want to say and what you really want to do in this world and, you know, break a few rules and start to trust yourself. And, you know, and, and it's just important to, to tap back in. I see so many people living on, on a treadmill, you know, and, and it's like, where are you going? What, where's the end? Is it just like, let's save more money and, and, you know, make sure we, deposit this in the 401k and the IRS and this and that. It's just like, where is the living part? You know, you're on this treadmill and then you die. And it's like what you said about the the hospice nurse. I mean, that was like such a beautiful book that she wrote about what she discovered from people who were dying. People have regrets and I don't want to live a life of regrets. You don't want to live a life of regrets. And the way out of that is to tap into this conversation and do the work. And I think too, it's like knowing that we're all going to have some kind of regrets, but what are the regrets that you can live with that don't keep you up at 3 a.m. at night? I mean, we had to pick a path, you know, two roads diverge in a wood and I, I picked the one less traveled by and like, yeah, do I regret maybe like, oh, if I would tried to stay a little bit, a little harder or, or done some things that's absolutely there. But you know what? Those are the regrets that I can live with. And I, I just challenge everybody um, to sit back with that. Yeah, it's it's really and, and, you know, again, you keep coming back to it's not just this one path and it's it's linear and it's all joy and there's, there's bumps in the road and there's feelings. And then those, you know, but dealing with that helps you to access all the outer edges, because if you're just living right down the center without really experiencing the highs or the lows, you're just living in this neutral kind of dead ish place that doesn't have the full expression of you. So let's go to the lightning round. Uh, Are you ready? Sure. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So, Erin, I used to think I wasn't blank enough. I wasn't qualified enough. Oh, boy. After all that, that type A stuff, Isn't that you amazing? Qualified? 
<laughs> and and I, I, when that answer fell out of my mouth after I was writing it last night, it's like, I think that's a really important point. Like, I have the doctorate. I have all the boxes checked. And yet, there's still that piece of like, ooh, are you good enough? Uh, do you yeah. have enough? And, and I just want to empower even the person who's never been to college or didn't finish high school or didn't do that thing. Um, even if you had, you may still doubt that. Because I do. Yeah. And you could go to college and get lots of degrees and then change careers and never use those degrees, right? So it's there's there's a different path for everyone. I, I have two out of my three kids did not finish college. Um, they are happy, successful people. And they are very driven in other ways than this, the path that other people thought they should take. Let's talk about the number one thing that held you back from becoming a woman of value. I call it my invisible rule book. So it's it's the journal that I wrote down, everything that I saw as a child, heard as a child, was told as a child, matured into a teenager and young adult. But little did I know that that rule book wasn't shared with everyone else, and nor was it divine that those rules could actually change. And so it was all the, well, I should, and I shouldn't, and a good woman would be like this, and a good mom would do that, and a good doctor would wear this. And so when I finally got my fingers on the invisible rule book and started to see how it creeped into my life, and that actually the pages could be rewritten, thrown away, burned, recycled, it really was was a trigger point to help me spring springboard forward. Love the invisible rule book. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> what is the best advice you can give to a woman who wants to become more empowered? Surround yourself by other empowered women because we are energetic beings and we are not meant to do this journey alone. And if you want to become an empowered woman, you go sit next to them and listen and ask questions and just absorb what they're doing and how you want to be. I think community, it's an essential human need. And now more than ever, we, we complain about the internet, but it's also a place where you can find that connection. I'm the only female physician in my county in Southern Indiana. So you better believe empowered female physicians. I had to really go looking for them. But now I am so eternally grateful for the women that at any point I could pick up my cell phone, text or call them, and, and they would be instantly available for me. And instead of by looking at them and saying, oh, I wish I was like them, they're doing so much better. You know, all the, the mind drama that we go into, now I look at them and I remember like high tide raises all boats. And I'm not going to compare my beginnings to their middles, but I know if she can do it, I can do it. And using it as an example of riding the coattails rather than a compare and despair. Such an important part of growth is knowing you can't do it alone, looking for others to support you, and not thinking that they're on a pedestal. I used to do a lot of pedestals, and oh, I could never do that. Well, you know, she has this special gift that I don't have. It's really just learning that you're maybe one step behind, and you can learn, you can learn from them and do it your way. That's great. Okay. What advice would you give your younger self? Take the trip. 
that huge <laughs> through this past year, 2020, of there were so many times where I'm like, oh, the kids are too little, or, oh, do we really have enough money? The advice to myself is buy the plane tickets, pack the bags, take the trip. That's a good one. I mean, I look back at my uh, the cross-country trip I took in my 20s with a guy I had just started dating. And he was like, hey, I'm I'm going to be taking a car across the country. You want to come with me? I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I had I did not really know him. He was studying for his MCATs. Um, he was like an MD, PhD candidate. And so he spent the entire trip studying. Within like four days, we were ready to kill each other. And we spent weeks together. But I remember the beauty of sleeping in all the, the national parks across the country and going back through Canada through the national parks. And it was the most enriching experience. I learned to deal with his craziness. And I have a memory of taking taking the trip. You got to seize the day. I love it. Um, what's something that people often get wrong about you? I just talked to somebody earlier today and and they were like, you look like this like small, petite, like good farmer's Midwestern wife. And then I heard your podcast and you were throwing F-bombs around like crazy. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So they have this idea. You're this, this sweet little thing who doesn't say F-bombs and doesn't do all the things you do. That's great. Exactly. And finally, Erin, the final question. How would you like to be remembered? It's those four words. Damn, she really lived. <laughs> I love it. This is on your epitaph, and it's how you lived and how you want to be remembered. And you're doing it. You're an inspiration. I really appreciate what you're doing out in the world. So, Erin, how can people find you? You have a couple of uh, websites. I got stuff going on, but I think the best way, since they're listening to your podcast, come over to Dr. Me first. It's my podcast. It's actually, I leaned into jealousy because that was a big feeling that I was having back in 2017. And I was like, I want to talk to other people, cool people, because I was listening and consuming so much. And um, so I did. Just leaned into it and said, all right, this is something that I want. And out of it came Dr. Me First. And it's a podcast where I talk with other female physicians and guests about life and practice and pivoting and transitions and all of the great stuff in between. I also do these fun segments called Married to an Alpha Female, where I let Mr. Wiseman come on and you get to see an inside peek into our lives. But it's a super great place to be. In the next couple of months, because podcasts are kind of like tattoos, once you get one, you got to have more, I'll be launching Burnt Out to Badass. It's a podcast all about spotlighting the stories of women who have been through the grunge of burnout, who have come through the other side, and they're willing to sit in the stories with us and tell us about their transformation. So I think it's so important to talk about it, because when you're in the middle of it, you feel so alone, and like it's only you, and that there's something wrong with you, and you're crazy, and you're broken, and nobody understands. And so I really want to put out into the world. Um, no, actually not. And here's a whole bunch of the rest of us who are very successful now. And this is how we got to the point. So check that out in the coming months. Thank you so much, Erin, for being here today. I really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And I look forward to going into all these podcasts and listening more and staying connected. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. And I just want to remind your audience, you are not alone and change is absolutely possible for you. If you would like to step more fully into your value, grab a free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Becoming a Woman of Value on my website, thewomanofvalue.com. Just click the link at the top of the homepage. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to click the subscribe button in your listening app. And if there's something in this episode that inspired you, please share it with others. Because the more we share these inspirational stories, the more women of value we will have in this world. I'll see you next time. I got some really important stuff to share with you. Besides developing Dr. Me First over the last, I don't know, I think it's like seven or eight years now, and Burnt Out to Badass, which is a little bit newer. It's been going on for about three to four years. I've actually been developing another business kind of on the side. And a lot of you folks are surprised when you hear about it. It's called Physician Coaching Alliance, and it does a lot of amazing things. First of all, if you're a chief wellness officer or you want to see more wellness in your organization, hospital, medical group, residency program, etc., Physician Coaching Alliance is your answer. We do consulting and coaching within organizations to bring better wellness into the healthcare space. So you need to go over to the website, physiciancoachingalliance.com, drop me an email with the organization, who I contact, who I talk to, and we can come in and help your institution. The other part of Physician Coaching Alliance is for those who are looking for a personal coach. Of course, I would love to be your coach, but I also know that I'm not everybody's Well, taste and spicy sauce, let's put it that way. So there we have a menu of over 70 coaches who specialize in so many different things, who come from different parts of medicine. Some people are in medicine, some people are out of medicine, some people are hybrid. It's just an amazing group of an eclectic amount of skills and personalities. I'm sure you can find your next coach there. So again, same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. And lastly, if you are a coach and you're tired of going in alone, maybe you're in a slump, maybe you just want to be around other physician coaches who are willing to give and are over the hustle culture and not about competing with each other, but knowing that how we heal healthcare is better together, then also Physician Coaching Alliance is the place for you. PCA fulfills so many of these needs and more. It's all on the same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. You can hang out with us on LinkedIn and on Instagram by the exact same name, physiciancoachingalliance.com. Yep, I've been busy. running multiple companies, practicing medicine, taking care of alpacas. But you know what? It is my heart and joy to do this. And I hope that PCA can become a part of your story too.